Okay, everybody, welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. Thank you so much for being here today. Today, you're listening to episode 165, and I'm talking with Alephine Tulemach. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. Michelob Ultra reminds you and encourages you to live ultra. They recently sponsored my live podcast with Scott Jurek, and I'm so excited to be doing a series of events with Michelob Ultra here in the coming weeks leading up to the 500 Festival Mini Marathon. If you live in Indianapolis, I would love it so much if you would join me, if you would consider joining me along with Athletic Annex and Michelob Ultra for this series of meetup runs here in Indy. So the first one is taking place on Thursday, February 21st at 6 p.m. at Brothers in Broderpool. If you are local to the Indy area, make sure you join us for this meetup run. We are doing some fun giveaways with Athletic Annex. We're giving away some entries to the 500 Festival mini marathon as well as some Michelob Ultra swag. So be there February 21st at 6 p.m. at Brothers in Broderpool. We'll be doing an event in March and April as well. And all of that information will be in my show notes at lindsayhine.com. Com. All right. I've been wanting to chat with Alephine for a very long time. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you have likely heard from some of her teammates at Northern Arizona Elite. I've talked to her coach a couple times, Scott Fobble, Kellen Taylor, Steph Bruce, and Alephine's been on my list for quite some time. She was taking the running world by storm not too long ago when she was winning all kinds of national titles. She won the 20K national title, the 5K national title, and she was just killing it. I'm so excited to see what her future holds in the marathon distance, the half marathon distance. She holds a half marathon PR of 69.49, a marathon PR of 233.18, a 5K PR of 15 minutes and 18 seconds, a 10K PR of 31.54, And she's definitely one of the names to look out for in the Olympic trials this coming winter. So in 2020 for the marathon trials, she's definitely a top contender. And I cannot wait to see what she does. Alphine is from Kenya and we get to talk about her story, what brought her to the United States and what her career has looked like up until now and what her goals are for the future. I really loved getting to know her and I cannot wait to share her story with you guys. I want to take this time to encourage you, if you haven't already done so, to leave a rating and review on iTunes or whatever app you listen to this podcast if you haven't done so already. It's one of the best ways potential new listeners can find us. So if you've done so already, thank you so much. And if you haven't yet, I would appreciate it if you would. All right, guys, more content from me over on my Patreon page. I do bonus episodes with returning guests. My husband, Glennon, also have bonus content with some guests on the show as well. There's Actually, a 16-minute bonus episode with Shalane Flanagan over there right now. And a backlog of probably around 35, 36, I should go do a count, episodes. So there's a lot of good content, a lot of bonus content over there. Patreon.com slash Lindsay Hine. All right. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Alephine Tuliamak. Alephine, thank you so much for taking my call. Thanks for joining us for All Have Another Podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you. And uh, thank you for giving me the opportunity. You know, I have done a couple of podcasts and I'm not very good at this. So I'll try to be good on this one. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, I've heard you on other podcasts and I think you're great. Thank you. 
So talk to us. Uh, we're going to we're gonna get into your story, but first talk to us about Houston because you just raced the Houston half marathon. <laughs> yes, I did. Oh, my God. It went, I mean, I want to say horribly wrong, but not, maybe not exactly because, I mean, I have been injured and I haven't really raced for almost, uh, you know, like six months and three weeks. So it was good to get out there, but it was such a struggle. I mean, um, training had been going okay. I thought I was a lot fitter, but as soon as the gun went off, I knew that it was going to be a long day. Um, I remember running and the first mile didn't come soon enough and, um, I was just struggling through it. And in fact, I almost stopped. Like I thought about stopping at mile three through five. But magically, I just, I made it through. Thank, thank goodness to one of the competitors who really helped me. But uh, yeah, I am, um, I'm glad I had a chance to get out there and run because I think that I almost forgot, you know, how, just how painful running can get. And it was nice to get out there and run. And really in the grand scheme of things, 72 minutes is not, the worst thing that could happen to anyone, but um, yeah, it was it was definitely tough. But I was happy, you know, in the end that I finished it, and nothing, no injuries were made worse. So it just have to make progress from there. Okay, so you're coming back from an injury. This is your first like really big race coming back, and so how long did you actually take off? Um, so I took. You know, like, so I raced on 4th of July and I had a nagging injury. And then after that, I took like a week off and then came back. But then like I had to take, you know, like I will run for like three days and then it will get worse. So then I'll take a few days off. And then eventually it got to a point where I was just exhausted and I took two weeks off and then started running again for like about two weeks. And then I took another week off. So I think that if I added everything together, honestly, it would be two to two and a half months. Okay. But then, like, they were never, like, all at the same time. Maybe if I had done that, I probably would have raised by the end of last year. But um, definitely lesson learned. Yeah. So, Alephine, you run for the Nazalite group. And I've had the opportunity to talk a lot to a lot of people in your group. And I just I love talking to you guys. I want to share w- your story with my listeners to everybody, though. Um, so you grew up in Kenya and can you kind of give everybody a glimpse into what your childhood looked like before moving to the States? Now you moved to the States for college, right? Yes, I did. So I grew up in Kenya, grew up in a very small village, you know, where like everybody knows everyone. Um, when you go into school, we didn't really have a road and our school was like two miles away. So when you go into school, there's like, um, you know, a footpath that you will go, you know, you will walk to school through and you'll be walking through people's houses. So everybody knows each other, you know. Um, and even like today when I go home, I mean, everybody knows that I'm home. Um, it was so much fun, you know, like a lot of people are farmers. And I mean, I'm not talking about the kind of farming where like you sell your, your farm produce. It was just subsistence farming. And this is also people tilling their own land. They don't have like machinery. They don't have, you know, like bulls to like, you know, till the land for them. So people are just, you know, farming just to grow food to sustain their families. But it was a very tight and tight knit community where like like when I am here now, I'm like, I don't even know my next door neighbor. <laughs> so that is a little strange for me, but I'm I've gotten used to it and I've actually kinda liked it a little bit just so I can be left alone. But um <laughs> it was so much fun growing up. Um we didn't really have any use of 
like fancy clothes or things like that. Like, I mean, I remember when I was young, they would buy us uniforms. And if we did go to church, that, that's what we would wear to church, you know, our school uniform. Or like I remember because, I mean, not a lot of people even had like cameras to take pictures. And so like once in a blue moon, a family would be like, okay, let's take pictures. And then they'll go find a cameraman. And then, you know, like I remember for one of my oldest photos that I have, I was wearing my school uniform. So it was a lot of fun. I didn't have shoes until I was in fourth grade, which was totally fine because everybody else was like that. We ran to school every morning. We ran home, you know, in the afternoon to go have lunch once you were um, in fourth grade and above. And then we ran back to school, you know, for the afternoon classes. We ran back home. And then if my mom needed something and she forgot to tell me in the morning, then I would have had to run back. We, uh, like So where we had the school, it was just like a little uh, shopping center too at the same place. So that would be where we would get like, you know, things like sugar or like paraffin for lighting the house because, I mean, people don't have electricity. So it would be like essentially, you know, looking back now, I was just training while, you know, living my life because that was the way of living and Apparently, I was just being like molded into a runner. Mm. However, the one thing that I forget to tell is that I grew up at over 10,000 feet of elevation. It's very hilly. You don't find <laughs> flat. So I guess when you grow up in like over 10,000 feet, even if you were just walking, you'll definitely be fit. I guess that explains why I'm able to run these days, except I've become a little softer. <laughs> well, yeah. So it sounds like that was just kind of your way of life. I mean, if you had to run home at lunch, you're running two miles to school, running home and then back and then two miles home. That's You're running six miles just to get to school and, and do, your, yeah. do your day when you're in fourth grade. Absolutely. And can you imagine, you know, when I think about it now, can you imagine eating and then running to school yeah. or like even just eating and running like these days I have a lot. I have trouble eating in the morning before I go for my runs. And I look back and I'm like, well, but then when we were growing up, we will go to, we will go home for lunch and then run back to school because we didn't really have a lot of time. We only had an hour for lunch and our teachers will like, at the time we still had corporal punishment where the teacher would just can you. And when I'm talking about caning, I'm not talking about just like it would be like serious. Like sometimes you might even develop some blisters, you know, oh, just wow. blisters from, I know, I remember one of the experiences I had, but anyways, um, so we would have to run really fast to get back to school. And sometimes you get home and your parents forgot that you're coming home for lunch. So you probably still, you get there and they're still preparing the meal. So it was fun though, you know, like, I mean, we weren't the only ones doing that. So it was great. Okay. So talk to me about this because obviously a lot of us know that running in Kenya is a very popular thing to do. And you've got a lot of very, very talented and gifted runners. What was the decision point for you to pursue coming over to the States and getting your education? And you did run in school, but your education was very important. So how did that all process instead of going straight into running professionally? You know, actually, in the beginning, that was my goal <laughs> to run, like to just be a professional runner. So the village that I grew up in, we we are still behind. I mean, things have changed these days. But when I was growing up, education, especially for the women, was very new. And so when I heard about running and then I started representing my school and travel a little bit, you know, to other states, 
I learned about other runners, you know, that I have made a living from running, like one of the runners, her name is Tekla Lorupe, who actually, according to Google, says she's still the world record holder. I'm not sure. I can't verify this, but for the 25 kilometers, 20 kilometers, and 30 kilometers, and she was the world record holder for the marathon. But so, I mean, she's from my community, and she's really not that far from us. And so when I started traveling, I heard a lot about her and, you know, how she's changed her life and, you know, helped her family. And I wanted to do that. So when I started running a little more serious, I just wanted to be a professional runner. And then I moved away from my family to go live with another relative just to try to be a professional runner. But when I went to live with my relative, it was at that point that I realized that I was also, you know, like a smart kid in class. And my uncle, who is the relative I'm talking about, kept encouraging me, you know, like I was going to go to college someday and that I could pursue running and I could go to college. And when I was um, a senior in high school, he encouraged me again. He said, you know, you could get a scholarship and go study in America. And that was the first time I ever heard about student athletic scholarships. And so that was, you know, that was great. And after I graduated from high school, I went straight into pursuing, um, you know, to come to college here and run. But in the beginning, like, I just wanted to be a professional runner. I just wanted to make money and help myself and help my family. Well, and you, so you ran for Wichita, am I correct? Yes, ma'am. I started off at Iowa State, though. Um, So when I came from Kenya, I wanted to be a nurse. Um, So I transferred, I mean, I went to Iowa State and a year and a half into my, uh, my college, you know, I learned that Iowa State didn't have nursing, and I really wanted to be a nurse, so I decided to transfer to Wichita State, which had a pretty good nursing program. And so that's something long-term. you still passionate about the field of nursing that you think that maybe when you're done running professionally, is that something you're interested in? Oh, absolutely. Actually, so when I went to Wichita, um, as I you know, started doing the nursing classes, just the prerequisites, I realized that, you know, I wasn't going to be able to uh, go to nursing school and run at the same time. So I had to give up, you know, going to nursing school and did a public health and get a degree in public health. But I think that uh, going to nursing school will be the next step, you know, uh, when I'm not running anymore, because as we all know, running is not something that can be done forever, not competitively anyway. So, Definitely, like when I can uh, make a living out of running, I am definitely going back to school. Um, Can you talk to everybody a little bit about culturally, you know, now you're in the States, you're making a living as a professional runner, but what is that like? Like how much are you, are you still supporting your family back home? What does that look like? Because I feel like culturally it's much different than how some Americans might do that. People that didn't come from Kenya and you're an American citizen, aren't you? I am, yes. Um, so yes, and yes, for both, I am an American citizen, and yes, I am helping my family. <clears throat> so you know, you grow up in this community where, like, like I am the first generation of people who went to college in my family, and even though my siblings have gone to college, like I have a couple of my siblings who already graduated from college and they just got their jobs now, but I am one of the oldest in my family. So, and, and by the way, I have a family of, uh, there's 32 of us in my family. Wow. My dad, I know my dad has uh, four wives. And so my mom has eight children. And then I have half brothers and sisters. So there's 32 of us total. And I mean, again, like I said, my family, like my parents, um, 
none of my parents have a job. They just, you know, farm, they just do subsistence farming. And so now that a lot, all my siblings, my younger siblings are going to school, the animals that we had, you know, they're being sold and, you know, paying for tuition, but there's so many of us, so I'm having to support them, which, by the way, it makes me happy. So I, I do support a couple of my siblings. You know, one of my siblings is going to college and I'm supporting him. I'm supporting one of my nieces who just graduated from high school now. And I'm also doing a project for my mom. I'm building her, you know, like a, a nicer home. So, yeah, I do. I definitely do help my family, That's which so is something cool. that is not common here. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. You don't really see people living like that, you know. <laughs> now, yeah. just a general question out of curiosity. So where you grew up, the polygamy thing is normal. Like that's the norm. That's the culture. Now that you've lived in America for so long, I'm just curious, is it strange to you to think of? Like, is what is what does that feel like to you? Because we don't really do that here. You don't see it too often. So what is that? What is that like for you? Because you grew up and that was your normal. I mean, it is normal. But um, like, if you're asking me if I would like if I had a chance, I would go home and, you know, like, I guess, be married to someone who will have another wife. No, you're not. Interested. I am definitely no, no, no. I'm definitely not interested in polygamy. I love my family. I love that, you know, I have three other, uh, you know, stepmoms and stuff. But like, I just think that that's a practice that was done by um, the older generation. And for me, I mean, and not just me, like a lot of the younger generation who've gone to school, they don't really want to practice polygamy anymore, especially the women anyway. Um, And so, yeah, I think it's great. You know, it's a culture that it's always been there and, if somebody feels comfortable with that, that's okay for them. But for me, I don't think that would be something that I would be interested in. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a really yeah. healthy perspective and way to look at it for sure. Yeah. Now, when I first heard of you, you were winning all of these national titles. You were just like <laughs> killing it. So talk to me about what your hopes and dreams are for the sport of running in your life. Um. At this point, I just want to, um, you know, I've won a few national titles. I haven't really ran a good marathon yet. So for me, like, I just want to be able to run a good marathon. I want to be able to run, you know, the world major marathons and plus really, really well and be competitive and run with some of this and compete, I mean, with some of the top athletes in the world. I definitely would love to make the Olympic team next year. Um it would be great to represent, you know, USA. Um, I've had so many opportunities here, and I feel like making the Olympic team next year will be an amazing way for me to show my gratitude to this country that gave me so much. And so I would love to make the Olympic team. And past that, really, I don't know. You know, just just do well every year and get better. Yeah. Now, so when did you officially become a citizen of the United States? Um, spring of 2016. Okay. Okay. So, the, I mean, I guess it's already 2019. Geez. So you're working on three yeah. years now. Yes. So yeah, it's going to be three years in a couple of months. All right. So talk <clears throat> about, um, your marathon PR is 233. So talk about how many marathons have you ran? I have ran three marathons so far. Um, I debuted in 2015. It was okay. 
uh, ran my second marathon, actually Houston Marathon in 2016. It did not go well. Oh, that was one of the longest, you know, marathon I've ever had. Uh, at least it felt that way anyway, because I fell apart at like mile 12 and the next 14 miles were long. And then I ran New York City a couple of years ago. And that really did give me hope. If, and that's where my PR is from. I still fell apart, but, you know, it wasn't as bad as the other ones. And so, like, yeah, I've run three marathons. All right. So what are you, are you running another one before the trials? Or I know this is like a tricky thing because you're coming back from injury and then you might not want to do one in the fall because you're heading into the trials. So what does that look like? Do you have a plan yet? Yes, I do have a plan. Um, so most likely I'm going to run a marathon this spring. We still don't know which one exactly. And then I also would like to run another one in the fall, actually, because the trials is not until the end of February of next year. So I think I have plenty of time. But also, like, I need, you know, more experiences. I need more marathons under my belt before the trials. Yeah. So I'm going to do two this year. All right. So talk about being at the trials. Like, do you envision yourself and Kellen and Steph? Are any of the other ladies on the team lining up that you know of? Um, I mean, the younger ones, I haven't heard any of them saying they want to be marathoners soon. But yeah, I, you know, I haven't really put too much attention to that yet, just because I think I'm trying to just go focus on one race, you know, after another. But I do think though, that ultimately it will be so much fun. The one thing that I'm really looking forward to is all three of us training together for this one race and you know, maybe when we do go to the trials, it's going to feel like training and we are all going to support each other and help each other. And hopefully we succeed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's got to be exciting to know that you're there with teammates so you can work together um, both in the race leading up the marathons leading up to it. Do you think that you'll be doing those with the with the other ladies as well? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Like so, so far since I've came here, I've been injured a lot. I haven't really had an opportunity to train with my team as much. And so one of the things that I'm really looking forward to is just being able to like destroy those workouts together, you know, help each other. And so I'm looking forward to that. And when it comes to the trials, the three of us are going to be doing the same thing. And so our workouts are going to be similar, you know, from the beginning until rest day. So I'm definitely looking forward to that. I'm super excited. What is your favorite distance to race right now? <laughs> I guess I will say um, the 25K just because that's the longest uh, beside the marathon. And I mean, I, I, I've begun to like the marathon, but it's still scary. Just thinking about uh, 42 kilometers, that's too long. But yeah, I, I, I think that the longer the better and the longest I've done beside the marathon is the 25K. And then... Um... I wanted to kind of ask you just about the group. Like, why did you, of all the places and all the training groups, you could have decided to join? What was it about the NAS group that you were, were drawn to? Well, there's uh, multiple factors that um, I had to consider. One of them, you know, was the close proximity uh, that is between here and New Mexico because um, – my boyfriend is, lives in Santa Fe, New Mexico, and Flagstaff is only about five hours away. So that was one of the things that I considered. And uh, the other thing was I always need people to train with. Um, and then when I I went with them in New York that year, and they both kicked my butt, by the way. <laughs> and then um, so I came here to visit, and 
I don't know. I just, I, I just like the dynamic of the group and, you know, like the women are super strong and the fact that we get to meet, you know, almost every day train together and help each other. That was, that was something that really drew me to them. So that was a, the other thing. And then the fact that Flagstaff is a high altitude, like I said, I, I grew up in 10,000 feet of elevation. And so it meant that if I moved to Flagstaff and trained with NASA Elite, you know, I wasn't going to have to go to a training camp or anything. I just needed to be here. Flagstaff is beautiful. It's, it's the closest place to train. It can be to Kenya to me. And so I like that. And the weather is perfect here. And also, there are so many country roads to run from. And even now during the winter, they're cleared. So, yeah, those were some of the reasons that kind of made me choose, you know, the group. And also from a financial standpoint, um, this is my job. And they gave me, like, the best offer, you know, that I could get. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was one of the other things that I yeah, considered. All right, everybody. I hope you're enjoying my conversation with Alphine. Hey, I want to let you know, if you are looking to train for a marathon, I, along with my husband, Glenn, have developed marathon training plans for the beginner, the intermediate, and the advanced runner. And we have a detailed pace chart that we created based on our ideals for training from a three-hour to a five-hour marathon. It has training paces for your tempo runs, your marathon-paced runs, your interval workouts, your easy runs. And the plan is 18 weeks. And it's not in 18 weeks where you're going to get real burnt out because I am a big believer in recovery weeks. So I've built in recovery weeks in the intermediate and the advanced training plans. The training plans are detailed and they're designed in a way that I train and a way that my husband and I train together. We've both used this kind of program in the past. So we put all of our experience together and poured it into these plans. I hired a graphic designer for the plans. They're beautiful. And there are also detailed videos with all of the plans. We also created detailed videos of pre and post strength and stretching routines, active and dynamic stretching, and a weekly strength workout to be done as well. So there's a video with all of the details and I'm talking in the background, walking you through and explaining the workouts. I will put a link to purchase those training plans in the show notes. They're also up on my website. If you just go to lindsayhine.com, there's a shop on there and you can purchase the training plans there. All right, guys, let's go ahead and continue my conversation with Alphine Tuliamak. Now, you mentioned uh, that where you grew up, it was, you know, everybody knows everybody. And here you don't even sometimes know your neighbor, but you're kind of getting used to that. What are some other things that have you that you have found surprising in just like everyday life? I'm just curious. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess some of the things like, for example, me running to school every day and now over here, I don't even want to walk anywhere. Like, <laughs> it surprises me just how lazy I have become. You know, like I, I don't want to walk anywhere. When I go to the grocery store, I try to find the closest parking, you know, to like <laughs> the grocery store. You know, like sometimes we meet about a mile, you know, down the street and I just drive there. It's like, wow, that's kind of interesting. Or cooking, I used to be able to cook a lot. These days, I don't even cook anymore, you know. Like, I just, I cook once in a while and maybe go out and stuff. So, I don't know, like, I guess it's kind of hard to, like, uh, I can't think of a lot of things right now, but there are definitely a, a few things that, you know, have changed. 
What are some staples in your meal in your meal planning? You said you don't cook a lot, but what are what are kind of like your go to dinners when you're in hardcore training? Um, I try to cook uh, Kenyan food as much as I can. So one of the things that we eat a lot, and I guess when they eat, they say eat like a champion, is the cornmeal. It's ugali. It's called ugali, and essentially it's just uh, corn flour. Um, you know, you boil water, put corn flour in it, and, and just knead it to good consistency, and then continue to cook it on the stove for about 20 minutes. Yes, and then I'm also kind of like a seasonal person. There are times where I crave uh, like a like a burger a lot, and so I'll eat a lot of that. And then sometimes I just want like a burrito. And it used, burritos used to be my go-to thing for a long time, but lately I haven't really had a lot of burritos. So like I, I just, I guess I don't really have specific foods, but I will just eat whatever I crave that day or whatever I can get my hands on. <laughs> well, if you're into burritos, you're probably hanging out with your teammate, Scott Fobble. That's what he's known for, right? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he's the burrito mafia guy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So tell me, uh, do you have your next race lined up? I am running uh, nationals next week, cross-country USS. So that will be my next race. That's like, oh my God, next weekend on Saturday, on the 2nd, February 2nd. Oh man, that's not a lot of recovery between Houston. Don't say that. <laughs> how are you feeling though? Like how, how's everything feeling post-Houston leading into that right now? You know, when I got back from Houston, I wasn't really like that tired. My legs were a little sore. And, and um, But other than that, you know, I wasn't like super tired but I still have a lot of work to do. So I'm hoping that this next few days I can get in some good speed workouts and uh, get myself ready. Thank God it's a 10 K except that I'm supposed to run twice as fast as I ran <laughs> Houston now. <laughs> do you like cross country? Like, do you prefer cross country or do you prefer roads? Oh, I prefer roads. I love running the roads. Uh, I used to like cross country when I was in college, but it's not really, I will say it's not my cup of tea, but I prefer uh, cross-country uh, to track. Okay. Okay, so yeah. you go roads, cross-country, then track. Yep. Okay, tell me this. What is the most meaningful race of your life to date? Oh, I, um, I think that... Uh, so 2016, I got my, uh, I was sworn in on uh, April 29th, and then I went and ran a race. But then I didn't get, you know, to hold the U.S. flag until June when I went to New York to run the mini 10K. And honestly, up to date, that's one of the races that really, I don't know, it has a lot of meaning, I guess, for me. Um, just remembering that day, how emotional I got to be. And I also came in second place. It was one of the like the first times that I, I placed pretty well with New York Roadrunners. So I think that was one of the most meaningful races to date for me. And then like the 25K championships will come in close second place because um, that was my first U.S. championship and uh, been there three times now. I've won it. So, yeah, those are the two races that definitely have a lot of carry a lot of meaning. But every U.S. championship, honestly, overall is always it's always a great way to show my patriotism, I guess. And so I think in general, the U.S. championship races are, hold a special place in my heart. Mm, I love that. Do you think that this is kind of a weird, maybe political question, but do you think that 
being from Kenya but running as an American, does that affect sponsorships or anything like that in any way, shape, or form? I don't, I've just kind of, I've never thought about that until now. You know, I don't know. Um, I mean, I don't go asking someone how much you're making. So I'm not really sure, you know, like whether it does or not, I, I couldn't give you yeah. a, a definitive answer. You know, I'm, I will hope though that it doesn't matter. I will hope that who I am as a person and who I am as an athlete, you know, my value will be determined by that, not because I'm from Kenya or, you know, another place. I love that. I hope so too. Yeah. What is your go-to like recovery thing? So you finished Houston, you weren't super happy with how, th- how you felt and how things went. You get home. What do you do? You know, right when I was in Houston, I went to the hot tub. Ah. <laughs> yep. Get, get into the hot tub, you know, get the legs ready and, and like, but I don't usually have any any specific thing that I go to. And like for race like Houston, honestly, like as soon as I finished that, I was, you know, thinking about the next race. So it was never like I had a break after that. Now it's different when it's a marathon because you do have to take a break or if it's a race for the end of your season, then you could go do other things, you know, like party and all that stuff. But a race like Houston, I just came back and the next day I was back to training. Like I didn't race. Yeah. Yeah, um, except the hot tub, yeah, definitely the hot tub. <laughs> what are your mental? What are your mental things you do in a race like Houston when you're like, like you said, mile one couldn't even get there soon enough, and you're <sighs> racing thirteen miles? Like, what what are you telling yourself? <sighs> Gosh, I think um, like they end a lot of things that I tell myself. I I just try not to even think at all. Like, I know that mile one, I was like, oh my god, I don't think I can make it through, and by mile three, I was like, I'm gonna get out. <laughs> and then at that point, I decided to find someone to just draft off of and just not think about anything. And lucky enough, I found someone that I knew from college. And I was like, hey, are you running the half marathon? It's like, yeah. And I'm like, OK, I'm going to try to run with you. And at that point, I just shut my mind off and I didn't think about anything else. Yeah. And that- then I remember when people were passing me, I'm like. If it's a girl, I'm like, you go, girl. You know, like I wasn't Aww. even feeling bad anymore. Like I remember there were a couple of girls, like um, one of the girls that I raised pretty often, you know, she passed me and I was like, you go, girl. I mean, I didn't say it loud because I didn't really have the energy. But <laughs> in my heart, I was like, you go get it, you know. I love that so much. Yeah. Yeah, it's got to be hard when you're out there and you start the race with expectations so high and you realize it's not going to be your day, but heck, why not celebrate the successes of the other people feeling good? That's so, so cool. Yes. And also I think that, uh, you know, you almost go through the stages of grief when you're raising, Mm -hmm. especially when you're having a bad day, like you go in with super high expectations, you know, thinking I'm going to run so good and so fast, but then as time goes by and then you continue to struggle, you begin to, you know, you, you begin to lower your expectations. And like, at some point I was like, okay, if I can just run five forties, I am going to be happy. And like, I was making a, it wasn't really exactly a joke, but like when we were coming home, I was like, yeah, I felt horrible. But as soon as I started running like five forties, five forty-five, I felt so good. I was like in my zone. And one of my teammates was just cracking up, you know, like my goodness, five forty-five. that's like, <laughs> you're really slowing down. I'm like, I know, but like, like as time goes by and you're struggling, you begin to lower your expectations and you'll be okay with whatever comes. Cause yeah. you know that you're giving everything you have. Yeah. You know, like I, I know in that race, I said, 
I have never ran so hard yet so slow. Mm. You and yeah. you ran seventy two. That's what you said. Yep, seventy two zero two. I think. Yeah. And your PRs sixty nine forty nine. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Uh, yep. What do you are you going to race more halves leading up to these marathons? Because I know kind of half marathon training is more, you know, it's a specific kind of training compared to marathon training. So it's hard to give yourself a fair shake when you're marathon training. Yeah, um, I think I am going to try to get in one more half just because like uh, with our group, we try to just concentrate on training the last two months and not have to race. And so if I want to get in uh, another half marathon, it will have to be you know, next month. And so hopefully by the end of next month, I will find something and, you know, go run another half marathon before really just concentrating on the marathon training. Oh, cool. All right, Alphine, I want to respect your time. So let's do end of the podcast question so you can Mm -hmm. move on to what's next in your day. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) What's one thing uh, professionally or personally that you haven't done yet that you'd like to do? Vacation. Um, Real vacation. I know real vacation. I mean, I've traveled a lot. I've been to almost every state, but it's not a vacation because I'm always thinking about running. But the one thing that I would love to do, my goodness, is to just go to vacation where I don't have to worry about running, where I can just go out and enjoy, you know, the city that I am in, enjoy the food and not have to worry about going to bed early or training or what the weather looks like. That's the one thing that I really can't wait to do. And I've never actually had a real vacation in my my whole life. Well, I did have one with my boyfriend a few weeks ago, but then I was training. So it didn't exactly feel like a vacation. I was going to ask you, have you ever gone on vacation? Yeah. So you need to take one like after, you need to take one like after the trials or something. Definitely. (laughs) Where do you want to go? Oh, I've always wanted to go to Hawaii. Okay. And your boyfriend's on board with that? Yes. Oh, yeah. We were. In fact, we were actually going to go last year because I was uh, scheduled to run New York City Marathon. And then we were going to go to Hawaii right after the race. But then when I got injured, we decided to cancel that because, you know, first of all, like I wasn't going to be on like I wasn't going to be on vacation completely if I was training. So but next time, whenever we have a chance, we are definitely going to go to Hawaii. Oh, that's so nice. Um, Yeah. Let me ask you real quick. How did you guys meet? Tinder. <laughs> oh, Tinder, really? Yeah. Where and and he lives in New Mexico? Yes, he lives in New Mexico. Oh my god, I've never said that loud. Oh, <laughs> I've talked to so many people on this podcast who have met their significant others online. Yeah, we met uh we met on Tinder. I love it. And, where, and where's he from? He is from Santa Fe. He lives not like just a few you know, like blocks down the street from the house he grew up in. So he's in Santa Fe. And you guys have been together for quite a while? Uh, a year and a half now. Okay. And going strong. So, yeah. <laughs> I love that. That's so cool. Well, I hope that I see pictures on Instagram of you guys in Hawaii next late February, early March. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. What, Alphine, is your definition of success? I think at this point, when it comes to, like, I can, I define success in different ways. And in terms of running, definitely, you know, if I can make the Olympic team next year uh, and, like, you know, go represent Team USA pretty well. And if I can, you know, like, run the world major marathons and do really, really well, that for me is a success. 
when it comes to, you know, like um, other things that is not running related, you know, I want to go back to school and get that nursing degree and get to help people. Once I do that and I'm helping people, that would be success. That would be a success to me. And then also like, you know, thinking about running long term, really, like I'm not always going to be a runner, but I would love to like, you know, inspire the next generation of runners and if I can tell my story and inspire someone else, I think I would have done a great job. That would be a success. And especially, you know, like in a village where like I came from, we have a lot of talented, you know, young kids. But I want to inspire them and I want them to understand that they don't have to choose between running and going to school, that they could do both of those. And if I can have, you know, two or three or five kids, in a few years from now saying, hey, you inspired us. We got our degrees and then we continued our running. That would be very successful for me. Oh, I love that. That's so, so good. Now, in 30 years from now, so you're 29. In 30 years, you're 59, right? Yep. <laughs> yes. Where do yes. you want to be? Where do you Like when you look back at the last 30 years of your life, what do you want to say like, man, I'm glad I did that? You know, I think in like, 30 years from now, I want to be living in the country, raising some animals and, you know, like hopefully getting phone calls here and there from people that I inspired along the way. I also want to be, you know, telling people stories, you know, of how I inspired kids from my village and they are very successful now. And hopefully my family will be pretty successful and my siblings will, you know, have successes of their own, like will be successful in their own way. Mm. That is how I would love, you know, to uh, describe my next 30 years or 30 years from now, I guess. Who's one person fun, motivating, and inspiring you'd like to have coffee or cocktail with? Oh, the same Tekla Lurupi. Um, She is my role model. Uh, she's from my community. Um, I grew up in a community where women, you know, back then women just knew that we were going to grow up, we were going to get married, and we were going to mm. have children. They never had, you know, like goals and aspirations of wanting to be independent. But then Tekla Lorupe, she refused to get married. She went to school. She graduated from high school. She pursued running. She won, you know, world records. And she was actually the first African woman to win New York City Marathon. Oh, wow. And so she's very inspirational. And I saw her a couple of years ago when I went to Uganda. I said, thank you. But I would definitely love to sit down uh, with her and chat more. Oh, oh, and she was the first person to ever give me my first ever running flats. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. So if I had an opportunity to sit down with someone, I would love to sit down with her. I would love to hear, you know, her stories about what she was thinking, you know, and how people perceived her back then when she was just being independent and not wanting to get married like her family wanted her to. And she just wanted to pursue running and just, you know, some of the challenges she had to go through as a woman in that community. Yeah. I would love to hear her story on that. Now, how old is she? Like, when did she win New York? Is she, is she like 20 oh, years God. older than us? Or? I think she was born in 1973. I don't remember okay. exactly, okay. but I, I think that's what I saw on Google. I'm not a yeah. 100% sure. So she's so probably mid Okay. Yeah. Okay. Oh, wow. That's so cool. Well, I bet you can check that off your list one day, having coffee with her. <laughs> I would love to. Yes. <laughs> What's the best, most recent book you've read? Oh, I've, I haven't been reading much, but I the last book that I read was Game of Thrones. And the only reason I started reading Game of Thrones was my boyfriend and I started watching the uh, 
uh, the Game of Thrones shows mm -hmm. and I really enjoyed it and I couldn't wait for the next one to come. And so I decided, why not just start reading the books? It's a little challenging to me. Like, yeah, I mean, some of the things I'm like, wow, the character's <laughs> like, it's complicated. And so I read about a few, like a few chapters and I'm still working on it. Do you, what's better, the book or the show? Uh, you know, now that I watched the show, I understand the book more. Mm -hmm. Now, if I hadn't watched the show, I don't think I would have understood anything on the book. Yeah, yeah. And I'm and I'm trying to be inspired to read more because my boyfriend reads a lot, and you know, like he's trying to inspire me to read more. So I'm like, okay, I will try to do this. <laughs> you guys are the opposite of my husband and I because I read a lot, and my husband hasn't read a book in like five years. He's, he's <laughs> like getting through one right now, finally. Wow. My <laughs> boyfriend, there's a book coming, you know, like he's ordering a book every week. Like seriously, it's a book being delivered every week. He reads so much that I'm like, what's going on in that brain of yours? It must be so big with all this material that you read. <laughs> well, maybe one day you'll write a book and then that can be in his library. I've thought about that, actually. You should. might. Yeah. yeah. You should start start taking notes. Start Just get out Word on your computer and just start taking th random thoughts <laughs> and then one day you'll be like, wow, I have a whole book compiled. <laughs> that would be wonderful. Yes, I will. Maybe someday I'll be so inspired that I'll start doing that. All right. Last question. What's one message you'd like to send to the world or my listeners? You know, I think we live in a world right now where there's so much going on in terms of people attacking each other from this and that and the one thing that I would love, like if I had, if I could give a message, I think people should just live in harmony. People should realize that we are a one human race and we should love each other, encourage each other, uplift each other, and we should live as brothers and sisters. Yeah. So many times you, you think someone has a different opinion than you and it makes you mad. But if you just talk to them, you realize yes. that like their overall intention of the way they want to live is probably pretty similar to yours. Yes. I think we have the tendencies of judging people before we could even get to know who they are and I mean like people don't even have time to like ask about another person's day or what they're going through they're just judging someone else and when you start judging people and stereotyping that's where we have problems yeah, yeah. well Alphine I'm honored to have had you on the show and um, I'm so excited that you are running for Nazali you're running for Team USA, I am just cheering so hard for you guys at the trials this coming year as well. So uh, thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much um, for giving me the opportunity. And I'm looking forward to uh, listening to this. Yes. I don't like my voice usually, but I just might give it a listen. You should. It'll be great. <laughs> yeah. You should. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much. And All right. have a beautiful day. You too. Thanks. Uh-huh. Bye. Bye. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Thank you so much, Alphine, for coming on the show and sharing your story with us. Hey, you guys can follow along her journey. You can find her on Instagram. She's Alphine, A-L-I-P-H-I-N-E. That's her Instagram handle. You guys can find me on Instagram as well, LindsayHine626. You can find me on Twitter, LindsayHine, and you can find me on Facebook. I'll have another podcast with Lindsay Hine. Don't forget to join myself, Athletic Annex, and Michelob Ultra at our meetup run coming up Thursday, February 21st at 6 p.m. at Brothers in Broad Ripple. It's going to be so much fun. And I want to say a special thank you to every single person who has donated to my Donna Foundation fundraiser. It 
has blown me away how much you guys have shown up if you haven't done so yet. Um, I'm going to the Mayo Clinic actually tomorrow to learn more about what they've done this year and what they're planning to do in the next year. And I cannot wait to have met my goal. I'm going to claim it. We're just over $7,000 right now. I can't wait to have met my goal of $10,000 by Saturday. That's tomorrow. Um, And I'm recording this Wednesday. So I have three days to raise $3,000, I guess. But I can't wait to provide them with that check and And it's because of everybody that's listening and following on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter who have come together with me to provide this big check of $10,000 to the Donna Foundation. So thank you if you've already done so. All right, guys, have a great Friday. Have a wonderful rest of your weekend. And as always, I'll see you next Friday.